Hello! Hi! And welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him! Oh, praise hey. him! Hey, yeah, yeah. Are we praising oh, him? Yeah. We're praising him humba, good. Humba. Oh, yeah. Uh, welcome back to the Midsummery. Yes. Where we're talking about the shows we've seen at Midsummer. Yes. Uh, today we're going to be talking. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. That's good to have Indeed. your support. <laughs> Furthermore, today we're going to be talking about A Southern Fairy Tale by Ty Autry, Lemon Tree on Dreg Street by Dirty Penny's Theatre, Well, Shit by Faff and Sass Productions, and Judy. Australia, 1964, that's all one show, by Skunk Works Productions. Yeah, and yeah. that, there's like, how would you describe, how's it yeah. punctuated? It's not quite a full stop between the words. And it's, it's like, it's not exclamation marks, which is how it sounded It's when a you weird, said it. solid circle, so I don't know how to pronounce that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I could do like, Judy, uh, Australia, uh, 1964, like that. Yes, those circles should represent the sound that they make in that like, war, what is it good for song. Oh, that's good. Do it. <laughs> Judy. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Etc. Uh, let's get started. Let's Hello there. Hi! <laughs> Hi, my God. Hi. Nice to see you. I'm trying to be less grating. <laughs> <laughs> you should try harder. No, no! Your voice is unbearable. No! It can't be bad. <laughs> Rawr. I hate Jake. That's a bear that hates you. Oh, I'm unbearable to the unbearable. bears. Unbearable. Yep, bears can't stand you. Right. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Hi. And some fertile wordplay. Did you like that? I'm <laughs> hurrying this along before yes, you unpack it. Uh-huh. Uh, what, nice to see you, Jake. Sure. <laughs> I'm James. That's... Nice to nice to see you. Uh huh. Um, how'd your week go? Ah, uh, so far. Because how long has it been since I've seen you? This is important. We have seen each other three days ago. Great, great. That's good. good. Uh, everyone, good. I feel like you should know it's very hot in the recording studio. It's re no, it's hot in the world. It's hot in the world. I'm not blaming the recording studio. <laughs> I'm blaming the world. It's about 37 degrees outside in the streets. Outside on the streets, it is 37 degrees. Yeah, tram over it... here was a nightmare. There's only so much I can do to keep the heat out. We could turn a fan on, but we... then it would be blowing in the microphone, so we yes. can't do that. And I've tried yelling at the heat. It does nothing. It makes it hotter. Uh -huh. Out of spite. Yes. Uh, so I just feel like that's an important element for you to understand that we Fetter are sweating. Yes, it's like when you're reading a Tennessee Williams play. Think about how hot it is in that house. And how gay he is. Yes! <laughs> is that how he sounded? No. Because it only just he was really, southern. It only just really occurred to me, that, and I experienced this recently when I saw a CD that you own, yes. that he was alive in a period where people could record his voice, which to me feels <laughs> wrong. Sure. In my head, he exists in the past. Like yeah. The distant past. Even though I know it wasn't the distant past. <laughs> yeah, much more recent than you would think. Yes, yeah. it's the same with Picasso. For a long time I thought he was, like, died, like, years and years ago. Sure, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but, but no, no not he's the fully case. alive in the 80s. Yeah. And just assaulting people. <laughs> left he and assaulting right. people? Pretty sure Picasso wasn't a big assaulty person. Like, not necessarily assaulty. Maybe I shouldn't bandy that word around, but he was definitely creepy around young girls. Oh, my God. Pretty, yeah, I feel like I need to Google this now to back myself up. Okay. Jake, tell us about your week. Uh, while you Google Picasso's assault charges. I shall indeed. Okay. Um, what should I talk about softly while James Googles that I know that I'll get invariably interrupted at the peak of explaining? How Pablo Picasso <laughs> abused his muses. Oh, yeah. not moose booze His moose booze a boost moosh. Um, a moose boosh. A moose boosh. <laughs> I'm hot. I'm tired. I've come from work. A moose boosh I'm is sorry, actually what are you talking about? a bush where a moose hides. <laughs> what, is it, what noise is a moose? Look out! It's a moose boosh. There could be a moose in there. Oh god! That's a big. <laughs> have you seen how big moose are? I have not. In like every video I've seen of a moose, like in comparison to a person, 
it is like cryptidly large, like a like a Lovecraftian monster stepping out of the forest. It's oh. horrible. Like they're huge. Oh, real God. tall, real big. Oh, oh God! Yeah, like, they're just like way a, bigger than you think they are. A Loch Moose monster. Oh. I don't know many cryptids. That's pretty good though. Moose man. Mooseman. Mothman. Is oh, is Mooseman real? Uh, Mothman is not. It's a cryptid, but you know. And that's different to the Mothman that Godzilla is mad at. That's Mothra. Mothra. That's that's a that's, that's a, just a, a documentary. What are figure? those things called? The big, uh, big monsters in Japanese like television. Mm. Ghidorah is one of them. Godzilla is one of them. Right in. What are they? The big scaries. Probably not. But in Japanese. Oh, probably. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how was your week? Didn't, weren't you just Googling Picasso? Yeah, I saw an article that said, yeah, he abused his muses and um, we all made puns. Oh, I thought you were going <laughs> to... <laughs> think you immediately moved on to wordplay and I figured we were done. <laughs> oh, no. So that was... <laughs> Guys, we think it's bad. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm too stupid to ingest information. <laughs> uh, oh no, really? I'm like only just learning that. Do um, you, I'll, I'll do some soft, you know, just talking like this. I'll practice my non-gratingness while you look for another piece of information about Picasso and his and his cruelty. How Picasso bled the women in his life for art. Sixteen oh. times artist Pablo Picasso would have been called out during the Me Too movement. Oh, current. That's I. That's a fun lens to look at history. Twenty eighteen. That was written. That makes sense. Actually. Wow. Well, I yeah. assume he's done nothing since then. Did Picasso abuse women like Harvey Weinstein? Did you just say Weinstein? No, I said Weinstein. Oh, okay. <laughs> Maybe replay it. I no, run the tapes. I'm not going to go back and scan for Voldemort. So I think we can all agree Picasso was a bad person, but you know, that's life. Oh. Okay. <laughs> what were we talking about? Your week. My week. You pathetic piece of garbage. Oh, thank you. What's Hello. I, oh God, I went to the Midsummer. what's it called? Victoria's Pride. Oh, we went to Victoria's Pride. We did. One enthusiastically, the other full of fear. Have a guess which one was which. Oh! oh. <laughs> Jake hated. Yeah, good. I hope that's what you texted <laughs> him. Yes, uh, Jake was the correct guess on that one. Yes. I, yeah. You had to run off and see a show at some point, which saved you. I did have to leave. Mm. Um... Uh, yes, but terrifying in terms terrifying. of so many people. I will say it was overwhelming. Get it? We got there at like what, like three, mm, yeah, like four o'clock ish. Yeah, and yeah, it was like packed. We were sober. It was hot. Everyone was there, and it was just like everywhere you look, it was just like either hot, hot queer people, or just like. Babies and dogs, and it was just like a lot of stuff going on at once. Yes, very happy for everyone that seemed very happy. Oh, good for them. It, it seemed like it was good for the type of person that it was good for. You know, it's a vague way of saying. In no. the way that, like, I don't like. I obviously I was terrified the whole time, mm -hmm. um, and anxious and frightened, mm -hmm. <laughs> which are all kind of synonyms. And we also <laughs> always assume that of you. Yeah, of course, uh, of course. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> yeah. Um. But where was I going with that beyond my mild panic attack? I think you was... scared yourself out of it. <laughs> I did. Um, it, it, saying that, like, it seemed like it was successful in the way that, like, I could see people looking convincingly jazzed about how it was going. You know? It seemed yeah. like, it seemed, I, I believed that a lot of people were having a good time in front of me. And think, I'm really yeah. happy for them. I think people had a great time. I, I, it, I warmed up. I warmed up and I had a really good time. I, I stayed not super late, mm -hmm. but long enough for it to be dark and quack quack, for okay. us to be dancing. Oh, you stayed street. that long? I stayed that long, yeah. I went oh. to, um, I, like, I won't, it's not interesting to recount where I went. I wandered up and down the whole thing. And, um, <laughs> Move. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> God, she's great at a party. She's. Um, See, I just wandered around. I was sort of like, no. <laughs> it's funny. Um, and I met, met out with like, I think it's fun if you have like 
multiple groups of people that you can sort of flutter between. Okay. For me, at least. That was fun. So I sort of had, like, one group of friends, and I hung up with a different group of friends, and, yeah, boogied the night away, mm-hmm. and then went home. Heaven. Great. Ended up dancing at Yaya's. Inside it. No, on the roof. What <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? I just... I assume that because it's like an outdoor festival, everything that exists on the street as a regular business has some sort of like street side representation of itself. Sure. Well, as you saw, <laughs> most of it did. Yeah. I suppose. And Yaya's had their like window open, I think. Right. But yeah, I don't know what that would be. But like if there were a boost juice, they wouldn't let you into the boost juice, but they set up like a little other stall where you could try three When are you ever allowed flavors. into a boost juice? I, don't <laughs> I guess oftentimes they're kiosks. <laughs> <laughs> I, so the bottom line I'm is not, we did Victoria's Pride. We absolutely did. We did I that. had this bizarre moment that you were present for where mm. that woman was like, stop! And I was like, how come? Oh my God, yeah. Um, and she was like, stop. And I was like, why? And then she was like, you look just like my friend. And I was like, I'm unclear on what you would like me to do about and this. And then she pointed at like, just a completely different looking man. <laughs> just someone that she... looked, was also bald yeah. and that's about it. She was like, I'll go get him. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I waited. And then we all had to wait. And then she went and fetched this man, my alleged doppelganger. Who I would like to reiterate, did not look like Jake. I'm glad you think, yeah, I I was very prepared to have like a, like my optimistic preparedness was like, oh, I'm, it's going to be like looking into an eerie mirror. And sure. we're, we're going to be like, oh, this is so spooky. Like, I can't believe... This feels mm. so weird. We have You'll to like, do the thing where you both move your hand at the same time. Yeah, the yeah. comical like, is that or is that not oh a God. mirror before me? Um, but no, it was just kind of this man, and then you feel very responsible all of a sudden for like this self image. Oh my God! <laughs> God, speaking of mirrors, we really know what's yeah. going on. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, like, of course, he was like a fine-looking person. Oh, he was not ugly at all. No, no, no. no. My oh my God! Imagine. Mm. Yeah, no. Because well, that would be an the insult. pessimistic side of what I was preparing for was like, oh, this is my goblin. Oh, hello. Look the same. Oh <laughs> like, oh, it is your doppelganger. <laughs> oh no! Um, I will say, mm-hmm. and I, I just, I am a person that gets very easily annoyed. <laughs> yes. So when we were walking away, and suddenly in the middle of that crowd, it's annoying when you have to wait. And so we had to wait for like five minutes while this stranger was like, "You look like my friend," <laughs> and just took photos of you. And we were just sort of like getting buffeted around. Uh-huh. I was trying to get to my, I was trying to see my friend, uh, whoever you are. Rude. I can't believe how rude you thought it was. I thought it was very rude. I really got angry. I was like, do it for a second and then let us go. We're all on our way somewhere. And you know what it's like in there? It's horrible in that crowd because everyone is moving at a gay pace. What's a no gay one, pace? You know what the gay pace is. No one's walking, a gay pace is fast. Yeah, no one's oh. walking in a straight pace. Everyone is going at a gay pace. So right. it's like, if everyone you, wants to look like they're heading to a hot party. Exactly. Well, everyone probably is because they're sexy. <laughs> but if you step in the wrong direction, you are going to get buffeted around by like it's 20 like drag queens. Yeah, yeah. Horrifying. Horrifying. So I'd have to pause in that. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm done. I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah, no. And spe- but speaking of being buffeted around, there was a point where I saw someone that was so handsome that I screamed. <laughs> Happen to you like daily? Isn't that like a daily occurrence? For you? I suppose so, but I think it was heightened because I was so frantically like scared the entire time that I was like there to then additionally see like the son of Zeus. She <laughs> was like, ah! yeah, demigods will do it. Yeah, I wasn't ready for it. Okay, well, um, that was Victoria's Pride, which I had a good time at. And it Jake was. was at. Yes, yes, I ran into pals that I wanted to see. Mm. Yep, yep, yep. Yes. <laughs> what else did you do, or should we rate the week now? Yeah. No. Yeah, we no. can't really wait the week. We're we're halfway through. Should we just rate Victoria Prime? Yeah, what was your experience like? Oh, look, I would give it like a good old uh, <laughs> numbers. Oh, I'm always bad at the numbers. You go first. Oh God. Um. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's the flaming baton Might need to, to me. Trim a bit of this. Um. <laughs> um. I'm going to give it. What's it gonna be? 
I'm going to give it seven stars mm. because I think that's how many times I've checked to see if a message I sent in the wake of the festival has been read by the person I sent it to. Oh. He hasn't read it and I'm worried that he thinks it's a weird thing to have said to him. <laughs> is it who I think it is? No, I don't think so. No, it was like someone that I thought I was friends with and I was like, I had the rest of your carnival go and then he just hasn't read it. <laughs> and I'm not trying to seduce this man. I just, was it the just, British guy? The British guy? The British from, guy. From London? No, 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 okay, no, 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 no. No, it's a much more low stakes person. It's not a person I'm in any way trying to seduce. Hmm. It's just like a friend. <laughs> apparently hate you. Yeah, I guess. Oh, well. um, so seven. <laughs> yes. Great. I'm going to give mine eight because I had a better time than you. Oh, good. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Done. <laughs> Should we talk about theatre? All right. Great. Hey. Hello. Hi. Hello. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I went to the Butterfly Club. Oh, and you breaking the mold. You, you, oh, fuck off. <laughs> There's Jesus. not that many places to go. There's so many places to go. I love right. the Butterfly Club, and I'm glad you went. Yeah, Tell me where you I saw. Re- I retract my fuck off. You're right to be <laughs> sarcastically rude. I don't want you to retract that fuck off. Oh. You meant it, and I want you to have meant it. Thank you. Know? you. That's I, okay. Good. Your Thank feelings you are valid. You're helping with me with my boundaries. That's my all right. People pleasing tendencies. I went to the Butterfly Club. Great. He said confidently, mm-hmm. <laughs> unencumbered mm-hmm. by any imaginary attacks. Come. <laughs> come indeed. Come, come indeed. Yes. I went there and I saw a southern fairy tale. Ooh! <laughs> well, that no, that was meant to sound more genuine. I'm sorry. Oh, good. Um, okay. Was it in the upstairs or the downstairs space? The upstairs. Oh, come on. Yes. Missed opportunity. But I do have the thing, and this is not interesting, but I have the thing whenever I'm watching a show in the upstairs space, I struggle to remember if I went up or downstairs to get into it. That's just a little thing Wait, my mind what? does. Oh, okay. Yep, no, not it's interesting. It's always upstairs. <laughs> Stairs don't change. Yeah, that's true. The architecture is not some sort of Hogwarts-style slinky. <laughs> oh, should we have a conversation about Hogwarts Legacy, the video game that has people divided? Who's, who's divided. Oh, it's just people saying, you shouldn't buy this game because it's supporting a turf. And then most, like, white cis gays are going, but I like Harry Potter. <laughs> so. And also, then, yeah. Mm. No, you keep going. No, I just think it's interesting like, there's a lot of people that are buying the game and then also donating to, like, trans supporting like, groups. How much money do these people have? Apparently enough to do that. God, to cancel out their, what? It's like a $90 <laughs> video game. Golly. And then yeah. they, are they also giving $90 to like... Like they're giving an equivalent amount to different charities. And then meanwhile, all of the like trans people are saying, maybe just don't buy the game. These are some rich activists. Yeah, it's a bit strange. It is a bit strange. But mm. also a lot of turf... Like, not turf, a lot of trans people are reclaiming Harry Potter. <laughs> That's a strange confusion to That's make. a strange confusion. I, <laughs> sure. By reclaiming it in the way that they believe that it belongs to them now. And they've, they've done the authoring. Actually. True. I mean, Daniel Radcliffe said that that very thing, didn't he? Like, he said, like, that work belongs to us and not to Jacob. But something about him saying it is sort of him being like, don't be mad at me. (laughs) I need to make money. Yeah, so let's find a way that we can intellectually Mm. sever my connection to this turf. I think ultimately it's something I don't really care about. (laughs) Turfs? Harry Potter. Oh, sure. (laughs) Like, I'm able to let it go. But you're for trans rights. You're just... I'm for trans rights? You just have no interest in Harry Potter. At all, no. So So Ty Autry wrote the show. You aren't going to buy that Hogwarts game? No. 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 No, I don't really care about... Harry Potter enough. And also, I guess, I don't want to support J.K. Rowling. Sure. Call me controversial. That's <laughs> very brave. Thank you. Um, so Ty Autry wrote the show. Ty Autry wrote the show. Full right. disclosure, I know Ty from... We worked... Because we spoke the other day for the first time in real life. And we worked out that the entirety of it, like our backstory is on Instagram. Like, for some reason, oh, we just classic, connected on yeah. Instagram a few years ago. Mm. And have just found each other cyber interesting for this amount of time. That is interesting when that happens. Because it, I, does he live in America? Yes. Yeah, so for that to connection to happen across the sea. Across the sea. Technology, mama. Yeah. I mean, it's brought us together. And when you've got that sort of passion, the sea means nothing 
is from a Marvel movie, I assume. Sure. <laughs> yeah, why not? Like, yeah. the two. Yeah. I was assuming Aquaman because of the sea. That's a DC movie. Maybe it's in the opening voiceover from Way of Water, that new Avatar movie. Oh my god, we can't talk about that movie again. No? Bad. <laughs> Bad film. We'll be here for too long. But you can imagine where it's like, the, the, uh, what I imagine is the start of the Avatar 2 is like shimmery black and blue and you just hear like an Avatar voice, which I guess sounds like a normal, normal voice, voice because yeah. you can't see them. <laughs> them saying something like, when you have that sort of passion, the, the sea means nothing. nothing. <laughs> <laughs> then you see one of those ugly, ugly dragons go. <laughs> yeah. Death. Yep. That's it. Yes, Avatar. That's <laughs> my god. Oh my god. But that's literally it. Yes, Avatar. It's like they have no personalities. Ah, it's a bad movie. So I went to see a southern, southern fairy tale, tale by Ty Autry yes. at the Butterfly Club. Went in, sat down. Didn't sit too close because they didn't want it, like, our fir- truly our first time seeing each other, like, seeing each other in the same room ever. I didn't want it to be me sitting like a pumpkin in the very front row of his one-man show. And you and do sit to- like a pumpkin. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And for him to see me and be like, oh, God, <laughs> that internet man is insane. God, that does sound just like him. That's really good. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty, pretty good act. Pretty spot on. But, yeah, so the show itself, and I know part of this, having just spoken to Ty about what the show is, which is bolstering the information I'm giving you. Uh-huh. Um, but it's like, like... It's inspired by his life, but tweaked in a way that makes it enough not his life for it not to be autobiographical. Like, sure. To the extent that like his name is Ty, but the character that he plays in this one-man show is named Alex. Okay, sure. So it like, feasibly can be performed by multiple people without them having to be like, this isn't me, I swear. It is just a character. I suppose, yeah, that's an interesting angle to come at it from. The, 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 the notion of him being able to farm this out to other people oh, to perform. Think, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Sure. Yeah, I suppose that's true. <laughs> well, that's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, that's just the, the, the nuts and bolts yeah, of the business, yeah, that's isn't right, it? That's how it works. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Well, yes, so, yeah, so the show sort of begins... And we come to understand that this character... What's wrong? I always hear you avoiding the words proceeds to be now. The show proceeds to be... That's <laughs> right. Um, but, but that was not the sentence I was ready to say. We get sort of begin to get to know Alex. And he's like, he lives in Georgia. And he was... The state ra- or the country? The state. Yeah, I made that joke to him already. That wasn't funny. Oh, good. Okay. Well, it's good that you're workshopping in the material. I'm sure it's going to go Oh, I'm somewhere. not workshopping it. I'm using it like a sledgehammer. Oh, good. Mm. Good, good. You avoid those giggles. You don't want to satisfy people with your comedic efforts. No, no. No, no. no. Um, yeah, growing up in Georgia, and like many of us, got fed a lot of fairy tale nonsense. Um, and that, of, co- of course, colours Alex's experience of realising that he's a queer person, and then throughout his life has to, like, wrestle with that, and how difficult that is to do in the midst of, like, Christian oppressive southern Georgia. So it could be called a southern... southern queer- I say southern Georgia in that Georgia's in the south, not the southern part of Georgia. I don't know enough about the state of Georgia to know where in Georgia this Is happened. it big? Is it small? Is it landlocked? Is it one of the square ones? I don't think it's landlocked. Is it? Oh, there's no way of knowing. I've got no idea. I don't know. For some reason, I just assume that they all have a little bit of coastline, but that's nonsense. That's not how that works. Not at all. I some of them have those weird arbitrarily drawn borders, which are like just squares. In what way are they arbitrary? They just they just drew them. They just drew. It's like Africa is divided up into just a bunch of random lines because that's what Europe said. You know. Sure. That's what I think of the states. So you're saying cartographically, talking about the yes. US specifically, those well, guess, lines don't actually represent Well, they the don't really border. make sense in Australia either, do they? They're just lines we decided existed. Sure. Uh, I don't sure. know why I'm getting caught up in this. Right, okay. Yeah, let's move on. But, but it is factual that if you were like fully, like if you stepped into an atlas and you stepped either side of one of those lines, you would be going between different states. Yeah. But what you're saying is that it's bonkers that we carve up naturally occurring land structures into artificially 
fenced borders. Yes, that is what I'm saying. Oh, you're just making like a like an old school a remark general about old school remark. Oh, okay, yeah, didn't mean to go this far <laughs> in, but here we are. I don't know where in Georgia he grew up. Thank you. <laughs> but twas in Georgia, and they weren't super jazzed about his gayness. <laughs> Why you're staring at me as if yeah, no, I, it sounded like you were going to say something else? Um, the devil went down to Georgia. He was looking for a solder steel, and then he played the fiddle. <laughs> and then he, I don't know, he played the fiddle. He was in a bind because he was there to someone. Make, someone wanted to make a deal. Oh, you do know it. Uh, yes, I used to know this you know song quite, quite well. well. Okay. Yeah. Um, yes, and so yeah, it charts Alex's journey from sort of the, yeah from his humble beginnings and then through to where he ended up having to come out like three different times. Oh, sure. And had brushes with like conversion therapy, and it goes oh in God. goes a bit into his relationship with his mother and how that changed about his connection with his father and his father going to jail, um, having siblings, having sort of secret boyfriends. The way in which the, the, these three different times that he was like brought out of the closet in different ways, the way that that happened, like the different circumstances through which it occurred. Like it's rare for a person to get a swing at. I know that people say very accurately, like you have to come out so many times in your life. Yeah. Oftentimes, like, you know, daily for some people, mm. depending on what your perspective is. But in terms of sort of like with what it sounds like the living situation for Alex and to whatever extent it's true for Ty as well, it was the sort of thing where it's like, you come out and then the environment that you're in socially, it's kind of news to everybody immediately. Right. And um, for, yeah, for that to occur three times to you is an interesting little roller coaster ride. Yeah, that would shape some things about who you are. Yeah, yeah. To, to have to wrestle with, yeah, the, the confidence required and the, the obstacles you have to like overcome internally and externally and having, having any comprehension of the way that people perceive you to whatever extent that's necessary for you to survive in the first place as a social creature. Yeah, it was... And then I guess once it happens three times, you're just waiting for the next time. Yeah, well, I suppose. Just... But I, it seemed like, even though, of course, a lot of like the returning back into the heterosexual closet was against his will, mm. it seemed as if there was a mental journey that the show was kind of about, to an extent, was about the, the mental work necessary, especially when it comes from like blunt force elements of things like conversion therapy or the pressure from family, whatever it is, can, that can convince you to unbelieve what you think you know about yourself. Jesus. You know, like, the, the, you know, so this thing of, like, returning to the closet, whether or not it's just you, like, recanting and taking things back, or to whatever extent you believe some of it, or think that you can be fixed, and then mm. the closet is no longer a closet, it's just the Narnia you live in. God, like, that's sad. Sure. Sure? But that thing. I was about to say the sadness is relative, <laughs> which it is, but I'm certainly not endorsing that anybody stay in the closet no. if that's where they are. Yeah. Um, regardless of how happy they think they are. God, conversion therapy as well. Yeah, and the second time this midsummer that we've come across it being tackled quite head on. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, which is fun. Fun to see. Sucks that it's still such, like such a thing that exists. Because as I learned from Transcendence, it's illegal to do conversion therapy in this country. I thought, is that a recent change? Relatively recent. Yeah, I think it was like within the last decade they illegalized yeah, wow. it. Yeah, wow, Jesus. But you can still scary. do camps that are like sort of like undercover conversion. Oh, but right, as long as you're about, keeping it secret, Well, it's, like, yeah, it's the sort of thing where it's like you can kind of like run a camp where people know they send their like gay and trans children and it's not conversion therapy, but maybe they get educated in a particular oh, way. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's just not on the label. Yeah, but it's like, maybe oh. Maybe we should go to a conversion camp. 
like, as undercover children, we should never be kissed our way into a conversion camp. Yeah, they believe that. Is there an age limit on an off-the-books conversion camp? Surely not. They just want to... Why be... surely not? Because they want to convert whoever they can. But don't they want soft, mushy brains of young, like, poor children? Poor in the unfortunate way. Surely they think that all queer people have mushy brains. The... Do they think that? Or do they think that they have, like, they demonic brains? They think we're brains? wrong. Well, because Ty says in this story, while playing Alex, that they thought he was possessed by the devil and he got, like, they attempted an exorcism. Oh, my God. Mm. Do you worry that you might have a demon inside you? I've never thought to ask you that question. Uh, <laughs> no, but I need you to invite me into every room before I go in. Oh! oh. Um, no, but I, I, um, there's another pun there about, like, devil inside me. Like, it was a gay one. Yeah. Penis. You don't... <laughs> I'm tired. Um, um, no, I don't think... I've never believed in anything like that, ever. Like, okay. It's never swayed my mind in any way, either way. So if I threw you onto a pentagrammed table and then me and, like, four of my closest pals performed an exorcism with a priest involved, of course, you mm. don't think anything would come out? As in, out of me? Like, yes. genuinely? No. no. What the fuck? I'd be scared because I'm surrounded by five people who are trying to perform some sort of <laughs> ritual. <laughs> yeah, like, I'd be a little concerned. <laughs> but I wouldn't think, oh, no, here go. I, th I would think these people are deranged. Good, okay, help. I'm glad I asked. Why, do you think you have some sort of demon inside of you? No, I don't, no. But I also thought that I would ask you the question and then maybe your eyes would start glowing green and be like, <laughs> you've guessed my oh. secret. The viewers can't see that. Maybe I've killed you and I'm just making both of our voices for the audience. That's terrifying. Isn't that spooky? Yes, and it's all just coming out of you, gone completely pale and your mouth is just hung completely open like twice And it's just coming length. out like a record. Yes. Yeah. That's what's happening right now. That's not what's happening. Don't tell them that. That's so scary. It's a good Jake impression though, isn't it? <laughs> um, what was I saying? Yes. Yeah, so, what, so one of the themes, obviously, is called a southern fairy tale. So he breaks the show up into, which I'm always a fan of, but it's a divisive tool to break it up into like chronicled sort of like episodes. So everything, oh, yeah. Everything has a title um, and that title makes his story sound like it's a fairy tale, you know? Like it's nice. about like there being like a dragon that he's slaying and being in a tower, those sorts of things. On theme. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, it was, yeah, um, yeah, it was, uh, largely for me, it was cool to see Ty in real life and see him on stage doing the thing that he's so talented at. Mm. Uh, yeah, and yeah, any story about a person, like, working out their gayness and how they're gonna live with it, I think is just a valuable story to be sharing. Yeah, especially um, stories of, of, like, coming out and being queer and, like, coming up against stuff like, I mean, fucking up conversion therapy, that's insane. Mm. I think it's important for, like, that to exist and just be done again and again, I don't think it'll ever go out of fashion. For sure, yeah. Yeah, and a story of overcoming so much. Like, it's, yeah, it seems like, to whatever extent I understand southern US stuff, um, of all the places to be a gay man, it seems like one of the trickier ones, especially, mm. like, when we're talking about the West, at least. Yes. Um, it's a, and so for that reason, it's an especially, an especially valuable story to be hearing because it kind of, like, I don't know, is it simplistic to say that it covers kind of, like, anyone from that extreme down to the easier end of the spectrum of, like, the gay coming out experience, you know? Mm. And and the more people you can encompass that can relate to your story, the, the more better. people you can potentially help. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. Um, so fairy tales, I was thinking about whether or not there... And I assume the answer is no for some reason. Was there a fairy tale that taught you anything about the human experience that was valuable to you or resonated with you as an adult or a child? Ooh! Um... Do you have an immediate answer? I know I ask you this every time, but like... Yeah, no, I was again, thinking... Again, why do you not have an no, answer? No, no, again, no, I was thinking about it, and okay. I think the answer's no for me, but I, then I just went into, like, were there any that really resonated with me, like, in any sort of way? Um, in a way that, like, lingered with me. And no, I think I remember, like, thinking that Cinderella was a cool story because, like, she seemed kind of, like, pretty. <laughs> Which, I was a child, and that was like, oh, pretty. Sure. And then Snow White, I liked the dwarves, mm. because they all had little qualities. <laughs> and they were all, like, little doofy. Well, we've discussed this on the podcast, but I did want to sleep with Dopey. Yes, you wanted to bang Dopey. <laughs> I wanted to be Dopey. 
Yeah. <laughs> Great. Um, I always liked Hansel and Gretel. Do you know why? I always loved a scary witch. Great. I thought a scary witch was always cool. And I think Hansel and Gretel has one of the scariest witches. I think you're right. Yeah. Out of all the fairy tales, yeah. Even I mean, little, bo- yeah. Even little kids. Luring children in and literally cooking them. Yeah. I mean, Mama. My That's God. spooky. Building a, oh, I would love to watch her building the house or planning to build the house because she's sure. like, you know what kids love? This thing that I'm going to make my house out of. Yeah, making a literal, yeah, house out of literally the thing you're going to lose, use to lure the kids in. Yeah. Ugh. Oh my God, and living in it. God. What's her name? Does she have a name or is she just the witch? I've never heard her have a name, no. But I was going to, like, oddly, I was going to say that if I had to pick one that I think resonated with me the most, I was going to pick Rumpelstiltskin. Oh, sure, because you're a horrible little gremlin boy. Thank you, yes. You know, and it's interesting that the two of us... <laughs> yes. Both go for the creepy little ones. Cre- creepy little ones that take children away. <laughs> oh, yeah, true, because what is the story of Rumpelstiltskin? Rumpel- he... he she cut. She pricks herself on a spindle. That's Sleeping Beauty. No, no. Rumbles. Doesn't she prick she, herself? She isn't she the one that knows how to oh, spin? Oh, she's got a weave. Head, like she turns yep. straw into gold. Yeah, yeah. She does. And then he keeps her. And then he says, "I'll give her back if you can guess what my name is." And then he's like, "This is the version that I'm familiar with." I think. Mm. So, so he believes he's going to get to keep this girl forever, and she's just going to keep making golden straw for him. Yeah. And then the parents are like, please give our daughter back. We're so stupid. Um, and then one day he's like dancing around his kitchen being like, hey, hey, hey. I've got to gold slave. And oh, no one right. knows my name is Rumpelstiltskin. And someone hears him singing this song. Doesn't um, the princess hear him? Is well, she her? can't get out, so I don't think she can tell anybody. But it's either one of the parents. Or no, because like... she guesses. She, she calls him Rumpel. She says her, his name to him. I think. She but I don't says... think it matters if she knows his name. I think the parents have to work out what the name of the Rumpelstiltskin oh. is, and then they find out the name through his dumb song. And then he's so mad that he stomps into the ground and then rips himself apart. Jesus, that using fun. the leverage of his submerged foot, he rumples his stilt skin. Yeah, you like that? I just, that's, yeah, I do. <laughs> I, want, I want you to rumple my stilt skin. That just sounds like giving like a hand job to a foreskinned person. Someone with a really big foreskin. Yes. Mm. Um, so Ty, Audrey, do you think there's anything, anything about our parallel fairy tales that you want to milk out? Or you think that is... Um, I think like it makes sense that the two of us gravitate at least towards the, the child creepier. abduction. Yeah, I think it makes sense. I think you and I have more of an eye for the darker thing. Quack, quack, quack. Um... And I don't really care particularly about, like, Rapunzel or... I'm not a Disney... And I think those two... It's like, yeah, I want you to get back to what you were about to say. I think, too, they they are also kind of united. In my mind, they're the two ones that I think the villain should have gotten away with what they were doing. They are kind of, like, they're pretty perfect plans. And also, I think another thing is those two fairy tales haven't necessarily been done to death. Like, they're not... They haven't been Disney-fied. They haven't been... Yeah. Taken and done. Like, I think Gretel... Um, Maybe because they're too scary. Well, Hansel and Gretel had, like, that very serious horror movie adaptation recently. Like, within the last two or three years. Okay. Um, Which is different different to Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. But Jeremy Renner movie. Different. different. Yes. It's like a serious... I think it's about the same person that did, like, The Witch. Oh, cool. Like, it's that vibe. Okay. Um, yeah, but also, I find... You know who I hate? Who? I'm sorry if you're this person. Disney adults. Oh, God. <laughs> like, adults that go to Disney World and cry when they see the castle. What the fuck are you doing? Why are you so freshly enraged oh, by these people? No, I think I just saw a t- an Instagram of someone going to Disneyland and seeing the castle and, like, like staging themselves weeping. And I was like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> oh, it makes me feel a bit... Can you work out why you hate them? I think it's because it's, like, such a childish thing that seeing adults sort of be like... 
I want to get my Mickey Mouse ears on. It's like, first of all, Disney is an evil corporation uh-huh. and scary. Uh-huh. Like, let's let's not forget that. Sure, honestly. Yeah. But I just, I, I think I just find it. It scares me. A, it scares me a little bit because it feels like people dumbing themselves down. As opposed to being dumb, you think it's dumbing themselves down. Like voluntarily, just like I'm. They're infantilizing themselves. Yeah. And I'm, I'm aware that this is entirely my own opinion. You are more than welcome to like Disney and just don't care. Sure. About well, I but I, I do also, for whatever reason, like I assume that it's also tied to something that, about yourself that you have rejected or resent or have overcome. Sure. Let's psychoanalyze. But you haven't gone that far into. No, absolutely not. No. Sure. No, I just wanted to get that out there now. That's why I think I prefer the darker, spookier fairy tales. That haven't been done to death by Disney. Right, right. Because they seem almost off-limits. The they forbidden off-limits. section of the... Yeah, and they're a little more exciting because they're a little more unknown. And I think too, again, I think because those those kids were going to get eaten. Those kids deserved to get That girl was going to die at that spinning wheel. I mean, she was eating, like, just... what? Why were they in the woods? In Who? Hansel and Gretel, the kids? Um, They went into the woods. Were they the ones that got dumped there by their parents? Yeah, I think they were. Yeah, they were like, sorry. <laughs> and then Hansel and Gretel were like, we'll, we'll leave these breadcrumbs so that we can find our way back. No, I don't think they were dumped by their parents because the moral of the story is not to run away. Who got dumped in the woods then? You did, Jake. Yeah, but, the time we spoke about it. But in literature. Oh, um... <laughs> Where did my parents get the idea from? That's a really good point. I don't know, but I know there is a... Maybe... <laughs> All right. <laughs> Let's hit it! Yay. Hi. Oh, hello. Uh, uh, I also went to see a show rec- yep. recently. Okay. Um, well, where's saw- one upping me? Um, no, well, you know, you see at least two shows for every one that I see, so you're two upping me. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, I went to Theatre Works myself, me. Uh-huh. Not the Explosives Factory, the, the main theatre works. So you still haven't been to the Explosives Factory? I've never factory. been to the Explosives Factory. We need to. <laughs> Everyone laughs at you. <laughs> and then they blow up. From having explosives right in the factory, right? It's a because there's particles place. in the air and it leaves them all ready to explode. I imagine you are not a scientist. Go on, but I am a theatre fan that went to see a Lemon Tree on Drake Street. Oh. It's not a Lemon Tree; it's just Lemon Tree on Drake Street. Great, uh, it's what I went to see. Yeah, uh, it's by Dirty Pennies Theatre, of course, written by Amy May Nunn. Great. Yep. Um, went along, wandered in, uh-huh. move. Yeah. <laughs> went alone. Yes. <laughs> there was rage in your voice. I just, I've seen so many shows alone. I love it. I do. But I always try and get people to come with me and I never can because I, I organize it too late. Okay. Uh, it's my fault. I leave it too late. They can never make it. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> got in and I want it. Sorry, I just thought it was funny the way that that sounds like one of those things where someone's in denial about people not wanting to ever spend any time with them. I'll give them time. <laughs> I give them time to hang out with me. Just, no, I'll they're all busy. Everyone's busy, busy. And I, I can't <laughs> tell them to cancel their plan. Um, so, uh, I... Saw Lottie Beckett in the foyer. Great. Uh, which was fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, and immediately a good omen. Of course. Yeah, yeah. No. Whenever you see Lottie Beckett, you know good things are to come. Well, exactly. I love Lottie. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. I was agreeing with you. Why do you seem like I was. I'm being. I'm defensive. Okay. Um, so. Went in. Yes. There we go. Sat down. With Lottie? No, no, no. Lottie was. Um, she the... was busy. She, she had stuff bu- to do. <laughs> she was busy doing things in the foyer. So one went in, sat down. Yep. I was in maybe the second row. Okay. No, front row. And. This set. I love (laughs) this set. (laughs) Shout out immediately to Casey Harper Wood, who did the set and the costume for this show. Uh Um, The whole thing felt like it had been upcycled from objects and items found in, like, 
like a hard rubbish collection from a share house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was really great. So first of all, they had this cut out of the house. It was like a flat sort of um, rendering of a 3D image of a house. Okay. Um, and do you know the artist... Oh, God, what's his name? I wrote it down because I had to look him up. Did you know Picasso abused his music? Howard Arkley. The Australian oh. artist Howard Arkley who did those beautiful coloured images of like Australiana brick I houses. Know, yes, I know yeah. exactly the one. So it was exactly, it was, it, it, they obviously referenced that sort of image. So mm. it was straight away like, oh, I know where we are. We're in Sunbury. You know, like we're in, we're in Australiana. Are we in Sunbury in this show? It's in a vague Australian suburb. It's Sunbury-esque? Sun, Sunbury-esque. Oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. nice word. Sunbury, it's a nice word. I mean, it's about a Sunbury-esque. Oh. I shot your brother in the face. <laughs> Oh, that's I'm sorry. I'm angry at you. <laughs> so beautiful, immediately images. Uh, it had like this gorgeous little path leading up to the house with the, those lovely little solar-powered lights. You can sort of get in oh, the, the ones you spear into the ground. The ones you spear into the ground. Yes. I uh, had like like some Australian bins, like the big green bins. Ah yes. <laughs> uh, like all these little bits and bobs that were just so clearly setting where we were, and then. On the left-hand side, on the stage right, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I know terms, I know terms, there was this lemon tree. Uh-huh. And it was made out of this, like, long strands of fabric, out of these large hoops, out of balloons they'd blown up, like yellow balloons. It was like this hodgepodge, upcycled lemon tree, and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Great. So that's, that's just what I wanted to get out of the way immediately. Mm-hmm. So the play is all about Twiglet and Boots. Okay. They're, yeah, right. They're, <laughs> <laughs> no, just, they're the two housemates that live in the house. Mm-hmm. They've been living there for years. Um, they're just getting stoned every day, living the dream, honestly. Um, but there's uh, the, the house is about to sort of be demolished. There's a like, threat from the landlords that they're going to sell the house and make it into apartments. Uh-huh. Um, and I sort of immediately felt quite upset because I'm living in a share house that is about to be demolished. It has a lemon tree out the back and I get stoned every day. Not really, police. So <laughs> I felt this piece quite close to my heart. Oh, God, okay. From the get-go. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is horrifying. Uh, so these two... Um, so Twiglet was played by Aisha Harris-Westman and Boots by Hayley Edwards. Such fun chemistry. Mm. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, Hayley Edwards is amazing. I, right? Yeah. I don't think I've seen Hayley Edwards in anything before. Cool. And... I'm just going to go ahead and say Haley Edwards has the voice of someone that needs to... I don't know if this makes any sense. Voice of someone who needs to play Lady Macbeth. Like, needs to be cast in a role where she can just say a bunch of important-sounding, slightly evil stuff. Yes, because she has that that weighted, very well-dictioned Kate Blanchett. She does. She absolutely does. And the yes. whole time I just kept thinking, I want to hear more sinister words out of your mouth. Um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, so... Was she sinister in this? Not even slightly, She no. wasn't the landlord. Twiglet and Boots had this sort of relationship of... So Twiglet was the one... So I'll do a very, very brief idea of the plot. Twiglet lives in the house with Boots. Mm. Twiglet's mum owned the house. And these are human people, These right? are human people. Okay, They're great. not fantasy creatures. <laughs> yeah. But the entire show was sort of cast by characters that sort of felt vaguely fake. Like, okay. they did feel vaguely surreal, and they all had names like those two. They had, like, the character, like, like cowgirl, vulture, possum lady, who I'll get to. Like, no one had real names. Mm-hmm. Um, so Twiglet's mum used to own the house. She's passed away. Her ashes have been scattered on the lemon tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boots is secretly in love with Twiglet. Oh, golly. Obsessed with Twiglet. Okay. Uh, and I don't think Twiglet really knows, or does know and chooses to ignore it. The amount of 
uh, Yonic lesbian adjacent queer relationships I've seen on the, the theatre work stage that have moved me to tears. Uh, What's the other most recent example? Uh, oh, um, 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 uh, a play about Ivy, but really about Jude. Oh, yes. Because oh, yep. yeah, you cried about the Ivy-Jude situation. Of course situation. I did. It was a very moving piece. Yeah, yeah. Um, does, y- does Yonic just refer to being like a vagina? Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Yes. Okay, yeah. cool. Because Yonic is to vagina as phallic as to penis. Nice. Mm-hmm. I do need to also bring up, just because it won't leave my head until I say it, I've never thought until you said the sentence about the person that passed away. The way that passed away sounds like... Passed away. The way you could do something like, mm. like, pasta. <laughs> How are we going to do it? I made a pasta joke last episode as well, so... <laughs> we, are we going to do it the easy way? <laughs> are we going to do it... The passed away. Mamma mia. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. Then montage of making, making fettuccine. Yeah. Yeah. We anyway. chose the passed away. <laughs> yeah. So in the other cast of characters of this show, uh, we have Milo Hardell playing Cowgirl. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also Marge, who's their neighbour, who's very in a very briefly. But Cowgirl is sort of this other presence that comes in, friends with Twiglet, and sort of uh, is just this very loud... Uh, intense presence that Boots hates. Okay. I understand this is not interesting to listen to, but I'm going to get there. I believe. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> Alex Donnelly, who I've finally seen perform oh, yes! on stage. Yeah. Shout out. Um, <laughs> first of all, spent the entire show in very high heels. Alex did. Alex is playing the vulture, who is like the real estate agent that wants to sell the house. Comes in in this like green suit, pink bits, high heels, long hair, and plays this sort of Dr. Seuss character. Great. Of this evil sort of, I want to make the house into a big apartment for everybody. Like this wonderful sort of, um, who's the character from uh, Maureen's, is Maureen's wedding? No, Muriel's wedding. The, the Her dad, the, the estate agent or something that wants to like improve everything with progress. In the musical? In the musical, yeah, obviously. The I haven't seen the musical. Oh, well, he's that. <laughs> um, and... Lastly, but not least, my personal favourite character in this show... Oh, my God. Michelle Ferreira plays Possum Lady. Oh, great. She's great. Who lives in a tent under the tree. Okay. And she... So, the day that we start the show is the wedding of Possum Lady to the lemon tree. Okay. She loves the lemon tree, Mm -hmm. and she wants to get married to the lemon tree. So, the show is all about them sort of organising this wedding, the weird rituals that Possum Lady has them going through... Um, and then all of them coming together to be there for this wedding. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it eventuates, obviously, in things that I won't talk about, because if you ever get a chance to see this show, you should. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, so Michelle Barrera was playing the possum lady who is this homeless woman living under the lemon tree Mm -hmm. that they just sort of let live there because she's harmless and she loves the lemon tree. And she just had this wonderful energy of, like, level-headedness... Which was so strange, because everyone else in the show is very heightened and bizarre and over-the-top caricature. And then to have the possum lady who wants to marry the lemon tree have be the most level-headed and at times just genuine and sensible character I thought was just such a fun little twist. Mm. Um, and Michelle just sort of played this really lovable woman that wants to be with this tree. And I don't know how to describe it other than like the way she sort of talks about this tree. You, you just believe the love straight away. Wow. Okay. There's this great... See, I'm going to jump around a bunch, but there's this great bit where during the wedding... She has this beautiful, um, uh, what are the vows? The vows she makes to the lemon tree. And I can't quite remember what the whole thing, but it's this beautiful poem that she's written about how much she wants to be with this lemon tree. And she talks about how she's um, got shoes on and she can't feel the lemon tree with them on. Um, I, d- I don't know what to say here other than 
I have never wanted a woman to marry a tree more in my life. Cool. Okay. Have you ever seen a woman marry a tree, Jake? You're not I reacting see... the way I thought no, you were. No, no, I'm, I'm swept up in how nice the things you're describing are. Yeah, no, I've never seen a woman just, like, yeah, marry a tree before. It was really lovely. Yeah, I, I, because I, I, I don't think I've ever seen Michelle in anything, but you've said that you've seen Michelle in a few things. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm excited to finally get to see her in, in, yeah. in anything. Um, okay, so... The show started, uh-huh. there were bubbles from the audience before the show started, which confused me a lot. There were bubbles? Have you, yeah. Yeah, it was a bizarre moment. I was sitting in the front row. Yes. By myself. Yes. With a drink. Uh-huh. Obviously. Because you were alone. I'm alone. <laughs> um, and I turned around and there were just these bubbles above the audience. Mm-hmm. And Did they give you bubbles? They didn't, they, they didn't give me bubbles, but they gave some of the audience members bubbles. I spoke to my handsome friend Sam, and he said that he got given bubbles, but that he couldn't make the bubble thing work, and then he spilled a bunch of the bubble mixture onto himself, and then had to try to make bubbles out of the dregs that remained. <laughs> Dreg Street! That Dreg Street! There you go. That's what it's all about. Oh, well then, that's the show. Yep, Sam yeah. was confused by bubbles. Yes. Sorry, no Sam Porter? No, different Sam. Too many Sams. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, sorry to trample on your bubble anecdote. So you saw these bubbles surfacing, like, emerging from behind you. It was just a weird moment of, you know, when you, like, it's just a weird moment that I'll always remember in a theatre because I was just sort of like, wait, what the fuck? Is this how it starts? Is this part of it? It wasn't. It was mm. just someone blowing the bubbles prematurely. But it was just a nice... Oh, did they cue your, the bubble? Were the bubbles meant to be cued by something? Yeah, later on they were like, there's bubbles under your seats. Get them out and we'll do it. But it was like... Oh, people jumped the gun. They ju- jumped the gun oh. before the show even started. Confident. And, and it just created this magical moment that I think I'll remember for a long time of just sort of like, it felt like watching Glinda the Good arrive. It was like, is this... Is the this early a- moment or the moment they intended? Which one was the magical Glinda moment for you? I hate to say it, but the early moment. The like, early before oh. the show even started, the accident. It was just like a weird, weird thing of... This doesn't feel like it should be happening, but it is, and it's beautiful. Oh, wow. Like, everyone sort of went a bit quiet, because it was like, is this is this it? Uh-huh. Is this the start? It wasn't. <laughs> it was just bubbles. An easy mistake to make. Bubbles. I think songs should be more common in plays. Songs in what way? So, Lemon Tree and Drake Street had uh, two or three instances of uh, someone playing the guitar, mm. and then everyone sort of joining in for, like, just out-of-the-blue, gorgeous songs. Uh-huh. And I think that should be more common. Okay. Because it wasn't enough to make it a musical. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't enough to be a so- like a play with songs. Not even. It was maybe three songs. Okay. And I just thought more people should be less afraid of putting songs into their shows. That's I will push back on that pretty hard. No! <laughs> I think it's so nice. Sure. I think it's nice when it's nice. I think mm. sometimes it can feel like it slows things down. I feel like depending on what the purpose of the song is, sometimes I think it's maybe like a cheating way of making your play feel more like a movie or oh. a cheap way of making people feel the emotions you want them to feel, mm. which is a valid tactic, but I guess for some reason it hits me in a way that feels dishonest in some way, but maybe that's a thing that I'm bringing to the table. I think that's you. Yeah, but no, but I'm sure this was great. Like, I've heard yeah. so many lovely things about this show. I'm, so, I'm sure these songs function I can't express how, much, how heartening this show was. Hardening? Heartening. Oh, with a T. Hardening, tea. baby. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> Milo Hardell, I've seen perform once or twice in shows, but this was the first time that I've sort of seen where I've just thought, you're a star. Sorry, what's their name? Milo Hartill. Okay. Star. Star quality. And I'm late to the game. Everyone already knows this. But just... The, the Cowgirl is this character that... Yeah, as I said, comes in and is, is sort of... Twiglet is sort of in love with Cowgirl. And so Boots doesn't like Cowgirl because Boots is in love with Twiglet. 
it's a classic triangle. Mm-hmm. But just the ongoing energy that Milo brought to this character was so good. Uh-huh. And I think such a centerpiece to the show. She was the um, officiate of the wedding. Okay. And she'd never done a wedding th- like this because obviously it's a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and But she was just so enthusiastic to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and was just such a wonderful addition to this cast of supremely talented um, performers like Alex Donnelly mm. as well is an I, I love a villain that isn't vil- villainous what does that mean yeah so <laughs> like he swoops in he's meant to be the, the <laughs> already quite villainous quite villainous <laughs> well he's called the vulture uh-huh. um, and he comes in to sort of like turn this house into an apartment block and everyone is against him from the get go yeah. but, but, but as the show goes on he sort of is invited to be a part of this wedding and he does what he can and he brings wine and he's quite pleasant and he it seems like he genuinely does just want to make an apartment block for people to live in mm-hmm. that he can then like plant more lemon trees in it'll be beautiful like I, I think that sort of you, you know what he reminded me a lot of? What? The, the what was it? In the Lorax, the, the once, what's the, the, the green twisty evil guy in the, the Lorax? I'm more of a Horton here's a who kind of guy. Yeah, I know you are. Um, um, <laughs> I've never seen the Lorax. Okay, well, if you know what I mean, you know what I mean. I think he's the once He's like this evil sort of Dr. Seuss version of capitalism. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so that was great. I think this show was so good at expressing something that I think a lot of us who have lived in share houses in particular have Yeah, baby. Oh! Um, It's a house where share lives. Uh, (laughs) And that's the sort of fleeting beauty of the moments you find in those houses. Okay. They they kept coming back to um, Boots wanting to go to... um, uh, what's it called? Stonehenge. Uh-huh. So they and Twiglet had sort of had this... They've been living there for like six years. And they've had this sort of plan to sort of go to Stonehenge, travel the world, and be together forever. Uh, as, you know, like close friends. And as those sort of plans that you come up with, you're like, we'll go to Europe. We'll go, oh my God, we'll travel here. It'll be great. You never really do them, but they're nice to dream about. And in your mind, that's a quintessential share house experience. 100% yes. Oh, okay. Every share house I've ever lived in, there's always been like, we'll go and do this one day. We'll go and do this one day. And you never do. Oh. But it's nice to talk about. In my mind, that's that's a... Not that I'm there, but like a, like a 50-something thing to do. No. No. I mean, or, I guess, yeah. I don't know. But again, I'm guessing what adulthood's going to be like once we get there. Don't comment <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Nothing to say. Nothing to say. But there was a beautiful line like towards the end where Boots is sort of revealing how upset they are about the situation that they're having to move out and they're not going to be together as friends anymore, which means that Boots won't see Twiglet. Um, and sort of mentions just how beautiful it was that they had Stonehenge for that little bit. Like, the, the, the dream of Stonehenge. The dream of Stonehenge. And I think they also, the line that we've got, they're like talking about how Stonehenge once upon a time used to mean so much to people. Mm. Like to ancient civilizations that built it. Yeah. It meant the world. And now it means a different thing to these two individuals. Mm. In, in such a strong... Um, intense way in, in her in, in their brains yeah I just I, there was something about that I've been reading a lot about like intersubjective realities recently um, and sort of like the, the idea that we sort of build these mythologies and sort of these 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 legends in our brains that we all decide have meaning and I think there was something about that that tapped into the idea of this thing has been built to be so important and this house is such a moment in their life that it's probably going to stick with them forever just like that monument is going to stick with us forever. Mm. You know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm really saying here, but it just it just hit me at once. It's sort of like, yeah, we really do have these special moments in these 
houses that aren't necessarily ours, that are owned by people who probably don't really care about us, and we're just living in these shitholes together because they're what we can afford, and having the best time of our lives while we can. Sure. And I think I'm really thankful, this play made me feel really thankful for the houses that I've lived in. Because I've lived in a lot of shitbox houses that have been on the verge of being knocked down. Like the tugboat that fell apart. Like the tugboat that <laughs> fell apart. Yeah, Leicester Street. Um, and and I, I don't know, I think I just really enjoyed how this show sort of pr- presented these houses in such a beautiful way. Mm. Yeah, so it made me feel a lot of things. And I think I, I really appreciated um, Aisha Westman in particular. Okay. As the, sort of like the... There were no real main characters in the show, but Aisha was sort of a focal point of a lot of things going on. It was it was her mother who used to own the house. Uh, it was Twiglet, sorry, the character. Twiglet's mother who used to own the house. Um, and it was Twiglet who sort of allowed the possum lady to be there and Twiglet who was sort of bringing all these people together. And I just, I really liked Aisha because I've never seen them perform. Um, I just think they have a very authentic way of going about things that makes me feel such a... youthful and roguish energy (laughs) that I really enjoy. Like, like, like they, there's something about them and the way they move and the way they sort of act around other people that feels a little bit, what's the word I'm looking for? You're making spidery gestures with your hands. I'm making spidery gestures with my hands. Are they spidery? Not spidery in a nice way. Spidery in a nice way. What's wrong with being a spider? Spidery. Spidery. Yeah. I don't know how else to say it. Sure. I'd love to be spidery. I'd love to be spidery like Aisha. Yeah, good on you, Aisha. Be more spidery. Yeah, so I, I guess thank you to all of these creatives and, and cast involved. Um, because it really made me feel a little bit happier about my experience right now. Because I'm, we're feeling a little bit distressed in my household that the house is about to get demolished. <laughs> and that our beautiful lemon tree is going to be taken from us. Yeah, and they're not even telling you what day it's getting demolished. You could wake up... In a wrecking ball. Could, it could happen. It could happen during our sleep. That's absolutely ah. right. Um, and yeah, I think there was something about watching the show and the way, yeah, they presented the sort of, I don't know, the the nature of share houses is that they do eventually come to an end and you need to move on. And it made me feel better about the fact that that's happening to me again because it's happened to me so many times. Mm. Um, so yeah, I guess thank you to the cast of uh, Lemon Tree on Drake Street and to the creatives for making me feel better about my house being knocked down. And the other magical thing about how, uh, share houses, I think, as well. Oh, baby. Yeah, is that they're just a beautiful way oh, to get to it. know somebody. Stop it. That's oh. wonderful. They are a good way to get to know someone. Yeah. I've got friends that I've, I never knew before I moved in with them, and now I know them. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, that's how knowing works. That's the magical thing about them, baby. Oh. Oh. Hello. Oh, we're back. Yes. Hi. Ah, hi. Um, hello, James. I went to the Butterfly Club. Don't be jealous. Oh, my God. You keep going to the Butterfly Club. I do. You love it. It's kind of a thing I do. Upstairs or downstairs? Um, upstairs. Yeah, went upstairs again. And again, yeah, not to be, like, don't be jealous, but I went with the most beautiful puppet maker in the country. I'm aware of this puppet maker. Yes. Uh, yes. puppets. He makes puppets. (laughs) Uh, yeah, we arrived, we went upstairs and we sat down. Um, we sat, like... Where, like, you know where the risen chairs become the non-risen chairs? Yes. At the front of the risen chairs. Okay, good. Yep, yes. I know where you're sitting. Fantastic. We're on the right. So factor that into your imaginings. On your political leanings? Or? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the right of the seating Far bank. on the right, yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we were there to see Well Shit. Great title. Great title. There were five L's in well. So Yeah, you really got to emphasize the well. Yes, and if you're imagining the poster, that's what you should be picturing. There's five big pink L's. 
It's starring Matt, but what, what's, why are you looking at me like that? No, I just so, couldn't do like anything. Frankie G wrote and performed in it, and it's essentially Great. a one-man show, sort of, but also Matthew Hadgraft is on the side playing the piano the entire time. Oh, And yeah. actually, just to jump right to the compliments, Matthew does a lot of like heavy lifting in terms of the comedy that takes place. Oh, really? In terms of like... Um, yeah, like there's a lot of back and forth. There's an ongoing joke that Frankie doesn't know Matthew's name, which was funny. And there's a lot of like bits that Matthew really has to commit hard enough to to make them like... If he, if he were like self-conscious or nervous about being a piano player that also has to be a comic mm. performer, it would have just been like, oh, it's a shame they made that pianist have lines because he doesn't seem like he wanted to have yeah, them. Yeah, because you can. There are often pianists who don't want to be in the 80 show. 80% of the time where and this fair happens. fair enough. Fair, absolutely. Fair enough. I mean, but You're there to play a, the piano. To an extent, it's fair enough. Also, there's a level of like, surely you were given a script at some point. It's also a pianist signing up to do... It's different True. if... Yep. The, and yep. not to assume a bunch of shows' histories. It's one thing if it's like three days out and you're like, we've actually secretly added a bunch of jokes where you have to participate. <laughs> then I think the pianist has a right to be like... Be pretty angry. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> I'm more but of a Chopin man. Was was into it really great really funny and yeah I hope to find that he actually does a lot of like performing himself in a way that would act, like let me have access to his on stage personality because he's a really charismatic cool guy a weird way to say that I don't know how to compliment people well yeah <laughs> well with five L's <laughs> oh, oh that's funny and topical because it's um, in the name of the show topical and tropical because of the heat and topical because it's a fungal cream to- what's a fungal cream Topical cream. Delicious is what it is. Stop it. Yeah, well. Stop it. (laughs) Um, As the show sort of opens, um, Frankie (laughs) instructs us that it's going to be a bit offensive. And he does this to the extent where at one point he points at a woman in the audience and goes, check under your seat for me. (laughs) And then she pulls out a bag of concrete. And he's like, if you can't handle it... (laughs) Eat some concrete and harden the fuck up. What? <laughs> a commitment to prop comedy. And to the point. Magnificent. <laughs> Unprecedented. I'm straight in. That's great. Harden um, up. I'd say somehow one of the earliest thoughts that I had coming out of this show while walking next to the puppeteer, I was just like, the show was remarkably focusless. And I think huh. that's really funny. <laughs> In what, what do you mean? Like, in I had the, no... Okay, like, I came out of it being like, at no point during that show did I have any grip on, like, where we were heading, mm. the, like, any sort of specific thesis that was being conveyed, um, even looking back at the journey we'd been on, I mm. couldn't have been like, oh, we got from A to C via that logical B. It was more like, wow, we were just buffeted by a bunch of sentences in a row, and there were, like, some songs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so it was more of a... Was it like a skit show? Or was it like a... not at all? No, it was. More, it was more like it was Frankie sort of like it was almost stand-up comedy. But then there was like singing in it and a pianist, of course, contributing generously. So I hear. Yeah, and I guess you could argue that. And this, this is all a positive thing. I want to feel like it, I'm in a like a fun mess. That's an mm, ideal situation. Mm, mm. Um, the, so it was kind of like we bounced from like single sadness. Through to like a, like grinder experiences, and then suddenly flashed forward to engaged, but oh. even still, the show wasn't really about dating except for when it was about dating. There was a part where he sang "Antihero" by Taylor Swift, uh-huh. and then I think this is a good like emblematic of what the show was like. Sang to, like performed along to Taylor Swift, sang Taylor Swift's "Antihero," and then during one of the choruses had props ready for all of the lyrics that happened. One of the... And no one mentioned it. (laughs) That's great. And no one seemed to appreciate 
that it happened I'm back on board <laughs> I love you know it was that sort of thing where it's like it's this scrapbook of things that he decided to tell us that day and things that he's decided are funny to do and then he just did them all in a row great I agree so this sounds almost like that thing you talk about if everyone had to do a cabaret a little bit. He's just yeah. picked things that he thinks are good and done them. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, another high point musically was when he did, had a, like a bit about COVID towards the start, which of course I've always... Ooh. Yeah, no. <laughs> we're over it. Do something else. Yeah. No, this was we an example... It. Yeah, this was an example of it being worthwhile because he did like this this song that was about his COVID experience, but it was to the tune of Alanis Morissette's um, <laughs> Ironic. So uh. it was because of COVID. <laughs> Don't you think? <laughs> Only Alanis Morissette could make you love COVID art. Ah! <laughs> Canada. Can- <laughs> you crazy bitch. Uh, oh, Canada. Another musical part towards the end that I thought was going to be the end, but then didn't prove to be the end. Oh, a fake this, out. Yes, it was this very brief ballad that he sang. He introduced it as like... <laughs> I'm going to leave you with a ballad. And then sang this song that was just, You're a cunt. I'm a cunt. We're all cunts together. (laughs) Meaningless. Genius. Wonderful. (laughs) Anyone that can sing cunt and make it sound good. Mm. Magnificent. Uh, There was also, (laughs) just to give you this bullet point list of things that I thought were funny. Somehow towards the start of the, within like the first quarter of the show, he has a large, lavish stage moment that ends with him taking almost all of his clothes off oh. and getting wet in one of those big blue shells that children have in the backyard in the oh, 90s. Oh, yes. Yes. But that was like in the first 15 minutes of the show. And then he was just, what, wet for the rest of the then show? He got changed. <laughs> and then he came back for more. <laughs> oh, you thought I was done? <laughs> no, it's all been wet. 15 minutes. <laughs> exactly. But it's just like, what a crazy move to have such a huge yeah. moment. Yeah. That early on. Yeah, that early. It's like you're talking about blowing your load too soon. Oh, theatrically, Jake. theatrically, okay, we talk about yeah, it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. We do, we uh, do. I'm not trying to make it about cum. <laughs> Sounds like you're trying to make it about cum. No, not this time. Um, I love that um, that subversion. I think uh-huh. that's great. <laughs> um, yeah, and then what else was... Oh, my God. There was this moment that... <laughs> where, like... <laughs> Started talking like the, the whole performance is very gay. The show itself is gay. Frankie seems to be quite gay. Mm. Um, there's, there's this part in sort of towards the middle, which I could not tell at the time, <laughs> where he was getting into the world of dating, and he gets to this part where he's like, uh, "So I downloaded Grinder," and then there was this audible gasp <laughs> from like the back third of the audience. What? At least ten people went. <gasps> Wait, like, what? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, what, what have you not been paying attention to? What do you to? think gay people do? I, but even just like, do you, was that him coming out to that collection of people towards the back it's of the... It's a midsummer show. But also, do I need to reiterate how gay Frankie yeah. seems? Yeah, <laughs> apparently you do. I, so it, it was a, just an absurd thing to hear. And it was also like, is it because you didn't know he was gay? Or is it because you think Grinder is just a way that gay guys get murdered? Like, what do you think... Goes yeah, on. What, was was it like a shock? Did it sound like a genuinely scared, shocked, or it, like a like a, a? Explain to me the guy. Do the guy. It was a guy, but it was like a different. It was a collection of guys. Yeah, so if it was one person, I could like sizzle into it. But mm. it's like, um, it was like so. I downloaded Grinder, and then at least ten people have gone. <gasps> what? <laughs> okay, so. Could it have been a bunch of friends doing like a melodramatic like? Um... No, because no, because me and the puppeteer both scanned it afterwards together, and we were like, no, it wasn't like a pretend like what you're gay. It was a 
Oh no, don't do that. Also, you like penises? Oh my god. It was just a funny moment. That's a funny moment. Yeah. Uh, Jake, I downloaded Grindr recently. You did? No, I was just trying to get you to gasp. Oh! It doesn't seem to work like that, so it must have had a reason. They must have had a reason to gasp. Uh. Say it to me. Um, oh, James, mm-hmm. you know what I've done? What? I downloaded Grinder. You're a slut. It's, no. <laughs> yeah, different reaction. No. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a real bonk on the knee brings test. Out a lot of, yeah, brings out a lot of What's anger. that called? That's a reflex test, isn't it? That is a reflex <laughs> test, yeah. Bonk on the knee. The bonk on the knee. <laughs> Doctors are tricky. I will have to bonk you on the knee to make sure your knee bonks right. <laughs> See, I don't know how hard that is, so it means nothing to me. I know. Um... So yeah, sort of, sort of begs the question of like, if you had to like look over your dating history mm-hmm. and choose a chunk of it to immortalize on the stage, mm, God, um, is is there a moment or an encounter or some... we did that in our cabaret that we did already? We did what? We've done that. We did a cabaret called Send Nudes. We did, and there were some elements of yeah, mm. but you've also grown as a performer and you've also lived more of a life. Sure. So yeah, exclude the things that you've already put on stage in terms of your dating past. I guess I would talk, because we avoided the topic of, but I think I'm more ready to talk about the time, like, an ex-boyfriend of mine cheated on me. Okay. It's something that I think I'd be, like, ready to crack into. Ooh! Yeah, because I... How would you crack into it? I don't know. What would I do? But I think it's something that I'm... I'm, I I think, like, I'm ready to to turn into something. Not that I want to, necessarily. Uh Uh-huh. But if I've got a gun pointed in my head and I need to turn my dating life into... Theatre. It's a good process. It's I a, think. You know, that's how it should be done. Um, yeah, I would probably. I don't even know what I would do. Like, does your instinct say that that would occupy a lot of the runtime, or it'd be no. like part of a dating? Montage? I think it would be part of a dating montage. I would definitely not want to do a full show about it. I think that feels too much. You wouldn't drill into it, like making a show called "He Cheated!" Exclamation mark. Well, that, maybe if I brand it like that for like angry women to come along to and see and shout, "Yes!" You think it would appeal to angry women and not gay men? Absolutely, would appeal to <laughs> angry women. Gay men don't get men. Me. <laughs> Boo! You know, like that sort of thing. I think I would lean into, but no, I think it would be part of a, an ongoing tapestry of. Why can't I make it work with men? <laughs> you know? Sure. Is there, Can you envision or... Like, is there like a pearl of wisdom that getting cheated on would have you then impart to people that saw your show? I think I would just say like... Oh God, what would... What would the pearl of wisdom would be... You don't need to make up excuses. He's in the wrong. You can just move on. <laughs> you know? I think would be the, the go-to for me. Okay. Do you like that? Sort of. It's something, yeah. isn't it? It's something. Why? Do you have like a particular day? Dating... Th- wait, yeah. Is that a thing you had to get over when you got cheated on that you thought part of it was your fault? Yeah, I'm not sure I really want to get into it hugely now, but yeah. But like, you're I... ready to put a show not, on not, about not, it. Not, <laughs> didn't think it was my fault, but I, I was very ready to sort of make up, not excuses, but in my brain sort of reasons like, oh no, he's, he's not all bad, but you know. And maybe he isn't, but he did cheat on me, so... And he is all bad. <laughs> he's, he's an evil bit. No, he's not. I don't know him anymore, so who knows. Sure. But the fact that he cheated on me means that, to me, he is evil and I don't want to talk to him. Sure. And that's an okay thing to admit. Mm-hmm. And I don't have to be like, no, he's like, he's a changed person. I can be around him. I don't want to be around him. Uh-huh. So I think that's a fine thing to sort of admit to yourself and then move on. Right. Yeah, is probably what I probably learned from that and would want that's the sort of message I would want to put out there. One of anger, resentment and rejection. Oh, anger, resentment and rejection of him from me. Oh, great. Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ejection. Ejection from my life. What about you? Do you have a a dating pearl you want to get in there? 
Um, a dating pearl. Yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I think it'd maybe. I don't know if I wanted to make it feel like it was 2017 again. Maybe it'd be something to do with like monogamy or something. Um, in my, what way? In, in, my, like, in, in the way that my mind changed about it, I suppose. Sure, I think that's an, that is an interesting journey that you have gone on. But that doesn't necessarily make it a good show, does it? No, it's but like, I think it could make it a good show. Like, you, It's an interesting journey that you went on that has changed you and you're a good writer. I think you could make it a good show. Sure, that is very kind. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But again, five stars happened and that was so much about sure, true. the way that I'm broken. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah. We'll see. I'm sure we'll, we'll, see. we'll both do our own show. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Mine will be called Before He Cheats. Oh. Hey, you like that? Yes. Yeah. God, good song. Great song. Fine that would be the song. entire theme song. What about you? What, what would yours be called? That would be the theme song to my cabaret. Oh, every good cabaret has a theme, theme song. song. <laughs> yes. Yeah, what? What was your question? What would yours be called, Jake? My what, my cabaret? Your cabaret. Your the thing we just s- spoke about. <laughs> You're Fuck. so mad at me. Yes, I'm very easily irritable. <laughs> um, my cabaret about, what did we decide that it's about? It's about, is it about monogamy or is it it's about, about something else? It's about your monogamy journey. It's about my monogamy journey. Um, oh, I don't know. If I wanted it to be very lowbrow and bad, I could go with Three by Britney Spears. Wait, we're not picking a song out. We're picking a title. What about um? I call it Three by Britney Spears. <laughs> I did it. Okay. I named the show, and it starts with the number, so I'll be at the start of the program. Yay! That's clever. Yeah. Uh, if it's in a festival, which it won't be, because no one will accept it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to hear my Judy Garland impression? Um, he said to nobody. Uh, <laughs> sure. Hey, oh, I'm Judy Garland over here. Oh, you like that? Um, look, I, you know, we saw a show. We saw Judy Australia 1964. Again, there are dots between the the three of the words. Uh, Take that as you will. Um, And I still cannot remember Judy Garland's accent. Is there a, is there another thing that has dots between the words? I guess Friends, the TV show. Yeah, Friends. That's how you say it. That's how you meant to pronounce it. I'm Friends. Hey. You want to hear my impression of Joey Triviani? Yes. Hello, I'm Joey. (laughs) The joke is that would have sounded a bit more like him if I did it the other way. You said that (laughs) you didn't know Judy's accent. I still can't remember her accent exactly. Is it just like... No, I keep going southern. It's that like North, like mid-Atlantic... Fancy sounding movie voice. Well, I suppose I need to know that I'm in Southern as well. Yeah. <laughs> and it's how much try to go womanly. <laughs> it's that the sort tides of. Oh, it's more. Get it's dimmer. Yeah, it's more. It's, it's more in here, and it's I'm more talking about the, the things yes. I used to do. Oh, don't just walk up to me at the fair and no, tell that's, me. That's, um, what's her name? Um, why don't you come up here and. And, and fuck me on the piano. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Alright, um, so we saw Judy Australia 1964. Yes. It was at the National Theatre. It was. In St Kilda. Uh-huh. Uh, every time I go to that theatre, I'm reminded how much it feels like a wartime bunker inside. In a good way. Yes. The outside foyer, beautiful. Stunning, it's always beautiful. And when does it become a wartime bunker? When you go into the actual theatre, the way the, the arch works over that stage makes me feel like it's a sloping roof of a big old wartime bunker. Oh, wow. And it's got like those big wooden banisters... 
Yeah. I don't know. The whole thing just feels a bit wartime, and I like it. Oh, great. Mm. Yeah. Well, no, it's went, a good thing. Yeah. Because well, I went with be- a beautiful British Johnny. Yes. And when we walked in there, because he'd never been there any of his life. And then Did he, he not? He not. And then he, we walked in, and the first thing he said was like, this is one of the most beautiful theatres I've ever seen, right? I've met Johnny <laughs> officially now, and I can confirm he does sound like that. Yep. Yeah, that's pretty spot on, actually. Um, I went with Flint. Being my boyfriend. Oh my god, he's got a boyfriend. Yeah, I feel like I need to get it out fast. Congratulations. Now. Thank you so much. What's it's he been... like? Is he tall? Does he's he look just short. like you? He doesn't look. Yeah, he does. Yes. Um, <laughs> he's angry at me because I want to bleach my hair and that makes us look too similar. Right. Do you want to bleach your hair because it will make you look more like No, similar? because I want to bleach my hair. It's my own thing. Uh huh. But he wants to bleach his hair and we'll look identical. Sure. So, well, um, that's good. We can double date with me and the guy that looks just like me from the carnival. Yeah. <laughs> that guy that looks exactly like you. Yes. Um, so, this brief, like, the, the show that we saw yes. <laughs> is basically an homage, an impersonation concert. Like, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's, a, it's Nina Farrow, who I've never seen perform, mm. uh, playing Judy Garland. And they do the story of the 12-day tour Judy did of Australia. Which apparently happened. Which, which fully did happen. I've she been explaining three this shows. show. Yes, I've been explaining yeah. this show to people. And I was like, she came to Melbourne. And then <clears> they, they were always like, when? What? Yeah, it's been wiped <laughs> to the records because it was so abysmal. Is that? Oh. Because she was, well, as we'll get into. Hmm. Um, so it's told from the point of view of everyone's favourite character, Harry Miller. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when you think Judy, you think Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Judy means Miller. So, Jake, do you want to tell us about Harry Miller? Oh, so deeply, yes. So, <laughs> me and Johnny are sitting sort of like in the second set of seating bank back towards the middle next to a bunch of people. And then, yeah, that's just so you can imagine where we're seeing this all from. I'm sitting in row D. Which is relevant later. And then, yeah, so watching the show and then it's sort of like, it starts... Um, the, sorry, I know you said to talk about Harry, but I just want to explain. There is a, you do need to do a bit of the preamble to the, get to Harry. Yes. And so, like, even, like, it starts, and so it's, like, a, I think it's six or seven people oh, in the band. Yeah, before we go on, we need to say straight away, six-piece band, that's hot. Super duper hot. They were so good. Professional, slick, mm. and just in the music with it. Oh, my God. I During, mean, like, the overture... The, the trombone arrangement, like the little like solo trombone moment in somewhere over the rainbow, I know was so good. The whole like they, like they were clear, like I think we I think one of the things is we see so much amateur theatre that sometimes when you see a professional band, it's like oh, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mean that, but I mean in the offensive way that it sounds. I, it did sound offensive, <laughs> but when you see Judy Garland, you want it to be a professional band, and I just think it's refreshing to see a professional band. Not to jump ahead to another thing that we were maybe going to talk about in my mm, mind. Go on. <laughs> I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up, but it's interesting that you say when you see Judy Garland, you want to see it all shiny. I also would be really interested in seeing like one person deciding she wants to play Judy Garland, and so she rents out the back room of a bar, and it's like, I've got my friend Jeff who plays the piano, and oh. I'm going to pretend to be Judy Garland for like 45 minutes. I would also pay to see that. Yes. Yeah. I think I'm fine with either end of the spectrum. You just want to see Judy. I just want to see Judes. Ah, oh, which of course means Harry, which we're heading to now. We're getting there, trust <laughs> us, calm down. So the show begins, the band's fantastic, and then, yeah, Judy eventually enters, and then she starts Judying around. And then we're sort of, made, what felt like maybe like, three songs deep into watching Judy perform her Judy Garland songs. Mm. And then kind of like, out of nowhere, you hear this man's Australian voice come over. Like, Isn't she brilliant? Yes. It's like, oh! Yeah, fucking hell. It's like, yes, I suppose she is. Who are you? <laughs> and then, the, yeah, this man saunders on stage into, in, like, in his suit. And then, yeah, it's like, I'm Harry Miller. And I'm responsible for, like, what would he, he was, like, in charge of the tour. 
Uh, well, he was the entrepreneur that decided to bring Judy Garland over to Australia. He's played by Matt Hetherington quite right. well. Yeah. Who's got one of the best, I think, one of the best stage Ocker Aussie accents I've ever heard. Sure. Like, it is just such a resonant and beautiful voice, and I could listen to that man all day. And the type of man voice that it's like, it's... The, the, and yeah, somehow that voice of a man that you're like, oh, you're like, you speak with the confidence of a man that I'm supposed to trust, and so therefore I will. He speaks with an entrepreneur's voice. Like, yes. it's the voice like, of, okay, <laughs> you're the voice of business and ideas. Like, yes. it's great. I feel like he's mad at me because I'm the waiter at an event that he paid for and doesn't want to mm. have to talk to me. <laughs> yeah, that's also true. That yeah. he does have that energy <laughs> as well. Yeah, and he swoops in, and there's maybe two songs he sings, which... yes. Which I want to straight away get into something. Uh, audience. Oh my god, you want to talk about that right now? Yeah. Do it. I think it was... I did not, not know what to expect. Uh-huh. I mean, I think we all expected they'd be older. Sure. For a Judy Garland show. Okay. And they were. And it was so good. Because they were so into it. Yeah. They loved it. And mm. I loved that they loved it. <laughs> there was one show, Harry Miller sings. One song that he sings towards the end. I cannot remember what the song's called now. Okay. But it's that one that's like... The one quiet place that's a lady on stage? No, no, no. It's like... Um, the, the one where he's clapping do you remember him yeah cla- Quiet Please there's a lady on stage because she's all like broken down oh, and he's yes, like yes. if we clap she'll come back to life <laughs> there was this woman in like the row behind us that was stood up and was clapping along and shouting and hollering don't die Judy <laughs> and I thought yeah that's the energy that, that this audience was inspired to right by Harry Miller's song by Matt Hetherington's beautiful voice mm. does that song is that song meaningful to people Quiet Please, there's a lady on stage. Yeah. Well, because of The Boy From Oz, it's been very connected to that whole, like, time period and that collection of talent. Right. You I've know? never seen The Boy From Oz. Sure. Okay. But mm. yeah, so that's a thing. Yeah. But, um, yeah. No, I was so, yeah, also, yeah, super into the enthusiasm of the audience. Yeah. But it did also make me think, first off, it made me excited for, like, if I get to be older, <laughs> I'm excited for these types of experiences when people, like, recreate moments from our past that we can kind of wallow in for an evening and be like, oh, mm. remember when Dua Lipa was a thing? <laughs> totally. Totally. You know, and I think of- this show also, in, in the on the inverse, made me feel quite lucky because... Nina Farrow is an incredible Judy Garland impersonator. Yes. And an incredible singer. Yeah, I'm oh my God. We're going to rave so much about her voice. But it genuinely felt like here we are at a Judy Garland concert to see Judy Garland. Like, it, it felt... You were able to sort of really put yourself in the fantasy. Sure. And it felt really special because it's like, oh, I get what the hype was all about. Like, I get yeah. why people would have clamoured over this before TV and screens existed. You know, like, I get that this would have been the thing. Sure. And why so many people were obsessed with her. I also, though, like, in that way, in an unavoidable kind of way, it made me really interrogate and sort of try to work out some sort of opinion regarding the idea of, like, recreating theatrical moments in history like this that's meant to feel almost like entering into... Like, it's not just a time capsule. It's almost because of the nature of mm. what an audience is. You're meant to almost feel it, like that you've gone back in time. Yeah. And you are sitting in the National Theatre in yeah. the 60s watching Judy Garland for realsies. Mm. And the thing that, I guess, irritated me in, like, a conceptual, artistic way is, like, it's a shame that, like, I almost wanted to somehow feel as if I was the only time traveller that had gone back to the concert, which is, like, really impossible in yeah, terms of what it... Yeah, yeah. No, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that it should have accomplished this, because I don't know what could, but, like... A time machine. Because, yes, because of, like, what is... The, the goal being such an exciting one, the thought of getting to recreate a piece of history and letting people sit inside yeah. of it, especially people that never really got the opportunity to do that, um, is undermined inherently by 
and this is another good or bad, it's just a thing that I was forced to think about by this theatrical experiment. Mm. But like because of the nature of the relationship between a performance and its audience, those that that relationship anchors anything you see to the current moment. Yeah, okay. Sure. So would you have liked it if it was like a themed night? And everyone... Yeah. That could have been something, like an immersive theatrical <laughs> and that's, experience. And that's, it's not even about liking it. It's just that's the thing that I was forced to think about because of what sure. this show is. Sure. Um, but yeah. But I guess that that partially, I guess, is part of the appeal that I've never thought about of, like, theme nights. Because it's like, it embraces the idea that we aren't there, but there were fun things about being there that we can all celebrate as a group. Yeah, yeah. as a what? As a group. You said grow up. <laughs> as a group. They all heard it. <laughs> um, so, for the first act... Yes. Interval, by the way. Wonderful. Um, first act, we were sitting in row D and Jake was sitting in the back, um, sitting the, the row behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there were seats spare next to us in row D. Yes. And Jake and Johnny came on down and joined us in the splash zone. Yes. In the, yes. And there was a, some, there's something magical about being in the first few rows for this particular show. Mm. Because every now and again, Judy Garland, Judy on stage, would drunkenly look at you. And uh. sort of drunkenly smile <laughs> or drunkenly direct a line at you. And it was, it did feel quite, oh, I felt quite starstruck multiple times. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the uh, the microphone cable work the that microphone she was cable. doing? <laughs> I was only aware that it was anything because of watching like the Renee Zellweger Judy movie is the only reason oh, sure. that I knew Which that. Which is a terrific movie. Sure. It's got moments. There's it's got that, Renee Zellweger. It does. That's the thing. And she's perfect. She's and there's perfect. things that I like about it. But it was just like an oddly told story. But we can't get sidetracked no. by that cinematic effort. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason that I knew to even look out for yeah, Judy Garland's cable work. I just, what did I, you think about it? I loved it because once again, it felt like this is what would have like. She would have been singing with a microphone with a wire. She would have done something with the wire. She wouldn't have just left it there. Oh, so it's historical accuracy that got you going. No, no, I think it was just... It It added to the whole thing of this is a fully realised Judy Garland I'm seeing in front of me. Mm. I don't know. I just thought... So like, for, for those of you who don't know what I mean by the, the, <laughs> the wire work, literally just like curling it up or flicking it out in front of her or like campishly sort of moving it out of the way. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a very cute little character choice that I just thought really worked. Sure, great. Um, I'll say there's something cool about the song choices in the... Going back to Harry, Mm. (laughs) I liked that the two songs he sang both had lyrics inside of them that were talking about the idea of a singer being either the singer or the song. Like, somehow the two songs he sang had that lyrical motif Mm. that was especially, I don't know, potent and fascinating in the way that it rippled against even just, like, the essence of what the show was that we were watching. You know, like, even the, the, the practice of kind of like reviving this woman spiritually mm. and engaging with what she's doing. Um, yeah, I just thought it was a cool like dramaturgical element to the show. Yeah, totally. And I think at the it was jarring when he came out at first. Yes. But I think it was... Well, like, I wasn't ready for a man no. to... <laughs> no, you don't think man when you hear Judy. Um, sure. <laughs> what do you think of that? Do you no, like valid that? sentence. Thank you very yes. much. Um, no, but I think it was... A, it, it, it also made it feel special for Australians to watch because it is that sort of secret history of Judy Garland flopping here. Sure. And what is... The oh, she, the, the final line of the show, I think, is such a good one. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I should say the final line. The final line. Oh, it was like, get out, James, the show's over? Is that what you mean? Yeah, that was it. I really yes. liked it when they said my name. <laughs> no, I'm, the, the, the line of, I can't exactly remember the wording, but it was like, well, she got so sick and she like fell into a, a, a like a coma for a little bit, I think. And then mm. she woke up and they told her, what made you so sick? What made you feel so unwell? And she'd had such a bad time in Australia that she just said, 
Australia. And then the lights went out. And I thought that was just like, whoa, that's us. Like, I think Australians love it when Australia's talked about in the medium they're watching. Sure. Well, I guess too, with it being like, to whatever extent it was considered like our little private duty story. Mm. There is that weird sense of like national pride, like patriotism thing of like, this is our little Melbourne tale. Totally. 100%. Like even things like mentioning... Like, there was a joke that everyone laughed at that we didn't get that was like, they brought a bottle of wine in that was a brand that must have been popular back in the 70s or something, mm. or the 60s. And the audience, like, all went, oh, not that label. And I just think, that's cute. Sure. I hope that, as you said, I hope 50 years from now we're sitting watching something and they bring out, like, a, I don't know. Kylie Minogue's rosé. Kylie Minogue's rosé, 100%. <laughs> and we all go, no! I think that's fun. It occurs to me now, I think I may have misspoke. I don't think the last line of the show was her saying Australia. I think that was just a really good moment that happened maybe one or two songs before the end. Yes, I think that is what happened. <laughs> I was just going to sit here and watch you and nod while you said these incorrect things. It's nice of you not to correct me in front of our audience. Um, but I will say, um, I was drunk. So I did have multiple glasses of wine because I figured we're seeing Judy Garland. You have a few glasses of wine. For Judy. For Ju- it's what Judy would have wanted. <laughs> it's what she wanted. Um, and um, there was something about being a little bit drunk, watching Judy Garland act a bit drunk and fall apart in front of us that was felt very good. <laughs> like, I loved it. I really loved it. I was like, I feel your sister. There's also something very I'm funny about the too. idea of you, like, sitting in the dark watching this woman drink problematically yeah. with a wine in your hand, being like, oh, she's a mess. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not even she's a mess. Like, oh, I get it. You know what, Judy? I, there, I feel that as well. My life's just as hard. <laughs> um, I just want to bring up something that, uh, that beautiful British Johnny said afterwards that I thought was just so nice. Mm. He said that when he was sitting there next to me and, like, we're in the dark and the, the quack the, quack 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 and the the band comes out <laughs> and like all seven guys come out and sit down and get their instruments ready he said he described it afterwards I think you were there when he was describing it mm. he was talking about this feeling he had where like they started playing music and this strange sense of like ecstasy came over him in oh, the yeah. way of like he felt like he was being like pulled into and excited by like the magic of the theater oh that's good stuff. It's nuts. Because I knew exactly the feeling. And I'm sure if our listeners have been to a decent show, I mm. suppose, like maybe you've had that experience too, where it's like, yes, like somehow this is what it can feel like. Yeah, like something's like grabbed onto your spirit a little bit and has oh. like yanked it a little bit up or something. That's so nice. Yeah. Johnny, that's so nice. Super nice. Yeah. Oh my God. I like the way the band came on for the second act where they were all, um, I think oh they were all God. pretending to come on for a rehearsal or they were yes. all coming on for like a bar. And like one of them had a fedora on. Some of them were like jackets off and they were all sort of chatting with each other. I was like, yes, yes. And, it was like, and Harry came in and was like, this is Judy when she'd just like fuck around and go to like a bar. And um, and if we are talking about band moments outside of them being very good at playing music. I guess we are. Oh my God. <laughs> one of my favorite things, I guess, is the thing they did where Judy was coming on late for her song mm. and all of oh, the musicians yeah. were instructed to like look around and be like, where the fuck is she? <laughs> Where's the star? She's meant to be on stage. Yeah, like essentially like tapping their watches mm. and being like, hey! Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anytime I you get a bunch of band people to do something like that, it's good. As you said, the pianist from the other show that you saw, from well, shit. Yes. You know, getting yeah, yeah, yeah. musicians involved is always fun. Yes, when it works, it when works. When it works. When it doesn't, I feel bad for them. Um, And we, we should say they were led by Philippa Edwards, who was fabulous yeah. conducting and also did a lot of the sort of 
side eye like little glances with Judy that I just feel just a nice little connection between Judy and the music fuck yeah 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 I just I really liked watching the drummer engage I know that's the job of like musicians and a conductor but I really enjoyed watching the drummer watch the conductor sure <laughs> that's a that's not a dumb thing to say at all it no is I, a bit. I think it's it's, it's, it's a always, bit stupid <laughs> but it comes back to it's nice seeing professional musicians just be so at ease sure and just have that sort of that inbuilt sort of understanding of how they all each other works, mm-hmm. I think, is very impressive. I particularly liked when um, Nina Farrow threw her coat off and knocked the pianist's music off the piano. Mm. I thought that was funny because it was like, "You're a drunk mess, Judy Garland." Oh, Judy! Um, oh, Judy! <laughs> uh, I really loved seeing such a wonderful singer sing um, "The Man That Got Away" live. Nina Farrow. We haven't spoken enough about Nina Farrow's voice. Nobody has, and I think it's about time we did because it was like at multiple moments. Felt like it was one of the most amazing voices I've ever heard. Sure. Um, the, uh, like, from a technical point of view, like, the, the belts, the notes she was fucking pinging, the, 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 the inflection she was able to get into her voice while maintaining such a level of control, I just could not get enough of it. <laughs> I don't know enough about singing to guess words like that, but yes. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But yeah, oh my god, so, yeah, no. Obsessed. Really great voice, very charismatic with it, really cool, really cool. Very cool. That's my third compliment, is how cool her voice is. Oh my god. 100%. I truly believe, like, while I was watching it happen, I was like, this performance of Somewhere Over the Rainbow is the best one I've ever seen. I could say that of all of those songs in terms of, like, they're the best versions of those songs. Because it was done by <laughs> someone that was like... Shit, you are. You might as well just be Judy Garland. It was a pretty goofy, a real goofy context in which to experience those songs. A hundred percent. It's such an incredible performer performing as such an incredible performer and singing these wonderful songs. Yeah, and I think a Babushka doll situation. I think we we knew from the get go it was gonna be a fun, crazy show because it was definitely one of the first shows when I looked at the Midsummer Festival um, program. I was like, oh, gotta see that. Well, of course, because it was strangely punctuated. True. Yes. (laughs) Jake's really hung up on these little dots. I like them. (laughs) Mm, They confuse him I like that it it pulls you in It asks you a question (laughs) Yeah, it's good when a title's a question Yes (laughs) Judy, Australia, 1964 It gives you all the facts you want What's wrong? How long ago was 1964? Are you doing maths hastily in front of me? Yeah, I am 64 Uh, It is 23 That should make it easier if you imagine that 23 is a 24 It does And so you've got the answer Oh no, I've just stopped I've given up doing the maths I don't care anymore Well, you at home 60 years no. 40 years. <laughs> yes. 50 years. He did it. He did it, everyone. Numbers are hard. Um, great. <laughs> Anything you want to close on? I guess I just want to see Nina Farrow do more stuff. I want to see Nina Farrow in all the all the, the things. I want to see Nina Farrow sing a bunch of stuff. Uh-huh. Is what I have to take away from this. Okay, great. And I've started listening to more Judy Garland. That's good. Mm. Yes. And I definitely want to somehow find a way to see more shows that have an audience with the level of enthusiasm and willingness to be like so immersed in something. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Best of luck, though. Thank you. Mm. (laughs) Thank you. No, no, no. Thank you. (laughs) Goodbye now. (laughs) And you were there. And you were there. And you were there. So Wizard of Oz. You're just doing a mashup of closing moments from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah. That is your favourite Judy Garland performance? I would say so, yeah. It's definitely the one that I know the best. Okay, sure. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Do you have a favourite Judy Garland performance? No, I don't like ranking things, but I I enjoy (laughs) a sad thing to say. No. Um you enjoy what? I enjoy I enjoy quiche when it's the right temperature. Alright, so thank you everyone for listening in. This has been a joy, it's been a pleasure. Meet me in St. Louis is quite fun. Me, fun me. in that it's sad I will not 
meant you in St. Louis. Oh. I imagine flights are expensive. But clang, clang, clang went the trolleys. Thing, thing, thing went my heartstrings. Have yourself um, a merry little Christmas. So, <laughs> I guess here's what we say. Don't listen to us, because we don't agree with things. What we do people do on Fistmas? <laughs> what do you think, Jake? <laughs> Wear each other like sock puppets. Which I've got to go ahead and say was Jake's original joke. I've just co-opted it into my vocabulary. Oh, when, when describing fisting somebody. Yeah, you wear someone like a sock puppet. I, think I, that's a really good I, tend, I tended to go more with wearing them like a glove, just because I feel like sock puppets are so whimsical, and fisting in my mind is not... So we may disagree with things that we've already said. Yeah, not that remarkable. No, no, that's double. I'm doubling down on that Yeah, one. I'm carrying that forever. Yes. Um, and friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Those are the two things that we say at the end of these episodes. Yeah. Yeah, and we, and we mean them. them. Oh. Um, <laughs> get yourself out there, see some theatre. Yeah. Tip your drag queens. Oh. You know. <laughs> I don't mind. sound annoyed about that. Throw coins at them. Um, <laughs> I'm being generous. <laughs> You've got him in the eye. Take my money. <laughs> Uh, see you next time. Yeah. We've got more Midsummer. More of our Midsummer. We're going to be summarizing Midsummer. Yes. Uh, or at least what we saw of it. Yes, we'll stick to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to pretend to know it all. So many things to know, Jack. It's too many things. <laughs>